Luke chapter 1, and being December, being the, the month that we traditionally focus towards Christmas, uh, we're going to discuss the miraculous gift, is the title of the message if you're taking notes, um, and the, the, really the question, the question would be, what if Jesus never came? What if he didn't come? What's the big deal, right? What, what if he never came? So, Luke chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 26 through 38, and uh, I'll apologize before we get started here. This, this week has been a uh, challenging week with illness and, and busyness and different things, and I, whenever I have a week like this, uh, uh, it, it helps me recognize uh, how faulty I am as a human. And how uh, sometimes I guess I rely on my own strength too much to prepare for church. And, and this is a week where really it, it has to come from the Lord because I don't feel adequately prepared. I don't feel like, uh, like I was mentally in a place because of the, being so sick that I was able to put in proper study time. And uh, So that being said, that's a, that's a roundabout way of saying I have no idea what you're about to get here today. <laughs> We're going to find out together. Uh, but no, we're gonna. We're, uh, I do want to keep our themes in line with, uh, with Jesus, with his birth, because there there are so many significant things, obviously, about that. And I know at Christmas time we tend to focus on Jesus in the manger, um, but Jesus in the manger is just a small part of the story, right? There was a whole lot prophesied about Jesus, uh, you know, that that we can look to in the Old Testament. There was a whole lot that happened in Jesus' life, and his obviously his death is. His resurrection that that wasn't prophesied about, right? And and, and so we're gonna we're gonna sort of look at uh, a little bit of all that today is gonna be focused primarily on uh, the the angel coming to speak to Mary. So Luke one twenty six through thirty eight is gonna be uh, our our text. Um, as you'll see in the very first sentence that we're gonna read, this is talking about my favorite angel in the whole Bible, uh, <clears throat> my namesake. Gabriel. So uh, we'll read verses 26 to 38 of Luke chapter 1. I'll pray and then we'll get into the message. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and uh, cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to be here. And and Lord, as we look into your word, I pray first of all that all distractions will be set aside. 
and that, that our minds wouldn't wander and that our, our hearts wouldn't drift, but we would focus on your word, for we know that's where the power comes from, is, uh, is, is your word to us. And I pray that you'd help us to learn some truths today about uh, this event that we just read about. I pray that you would help us to see uh, how it applies to us today and, and maybe in some ways how it really doesn't apply to us, Lord. I think we need to understand the distinctions in Scripture. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would show us that. We believe that the Holy Spirit authored the Bible, and we believe that the Holy Spirit indwells believers. And so if we have the author of the book uh, dwelling in us, I pray that you would use that to teach us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question on the floor, what if? What if Jesus didn't come? What if, what if that uh, announcement had never been given to Mary? How would the world be different? I don't know that we could even try to answer that question. Uh, no, that to me that's probably the most important announcement made is that Jesus is coming. Uh, now, uh, to to the Jews and what we saw part in that text partially is is um, that's their Messiah. They're they're expecting this kingdom to come. The kingdom is going to be a fantastic thing when God sets that up in the millennial reign. But but what does Jesus coming to earth mean for us? Right, we weren't expecting a kingdom. We, that wasn't even you know that's that's many many years ago. It wasn't even a part of what we're living today. What if Jesus didn't come for you and for me? What does that mean for us? Is there is there another way to heaven for us? Is there will we know the peace that we have in uncertain times? Um, who here has seen the movie? It's a Wonderful Life. I know it's a bad thing that's Baptist if you watch a movie, but we watch movies. Let's be real. It's a Wonderful Life. You've seen it. Uh, so you know who George Bailey is? You know, George Bailey, uh, uh, at the end of the movie, cries out. What does he cry out? I want to live again. I want to live again, right? So he's crying out. Uh, immediately, he's flashed from the, the previous scene. He finds himself uh, standing on the, the snow-covered iron bridge with the, this dark, swirling river below him. And uh, does anybody remember the angel's name? Clarence Oddbody was the angel. Uh, uh, th- that angel had helped George discover, to his horror, what life would be like if he'd never been born. You know, I remember saying when I was a kid, I was, I'd get so angry at God because of the circumstances of my life at the time. I wish I'd never been born. You know, what, 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 would, what would life be like if we hadn't been born? It would be different. You know, there would be no Ethan. Uh, so this church wouldn't have an usher, cameraman, all the different things, janitor, fill-in preacher and song leader. You know, so things would be different. Life would be impacted if, 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 if I hadn't been born. Life would be different if you hadn't been born. What about Jesus? We saw what happened to Bedford Falls in It's a Wonderful Life. If, if uh, George hadn't been born, it's reduced to Pottersville. It wasn't a very savory place. It was, it was more of a red light district. It was, uh, life was dark. Life was eerie, creepy, uh, because George had never been born. So one person... One individual can make an enormous difference in the lives of others. I think all of us maybe have a person we could look to that said that that one individual had a profound impact on my life. Um, if I had to look outside of my family, I would say that Pastor John Wilkerson had a profound impact on my life. The way that he loved me and, and taught me and mentored me and counseled me and told me hard truths when I needed to hear hard truths. He, he had an enormous impact on my life. But John Wilkerson never had the type of impact on my life that Jesus Christ had. Right? He's a, he's a wonderful man. I love him dearly. I wouldn't be in the ministry without him. Our family was impacted by him. 
But what He's done in my life pales in comparison to what Jesus Christ has done for me. So, uh, we're going to look at a few different things here. There's a, there's a startling appearance. Can you imagine being Mary? Put yourself back in this scene here in Luke and, uh, and just imagine being, being Mary in this setting where you're uh, a younger lady and, and you're by yourself. And it says that in the sixth month, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Uh, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. And it, it says in verse number 29, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She's thinking, what in the world just happened? You know, who is this? What just happened here? Uh, but the appearance was, was set at an appointed time. It was set at the sixth month. Uh, of the pregnancy of Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And why is that? Because the Scripture tells us that John the Baptist had to come first, right? He, there had to be one that was announcing that the Messiah was here. Um, so the, the, the timing of it wasn't by accident. It wasn't just a haphazard thing. It wasn't just uh, the angel Gabriel saying, well, I guess today's a good day to go. It was a time appointed by God. Galatians 4, 4-5, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So the fullness of times was, uh, the fullness of times is referring to uh, Daniel 9, 24-27, the 70-week prophecy. It gave an exact time. If you study that out, you know, some, there, there are skeptics that say Jesus wasn't really the one. Uh, if you study out Daniel's 70 weeks and the timing of it and how you know God is a very detail-oriented God, and you, you study it out and then you study who was alive on the earth at the time that those things had to take place, there is only one, and it was Jesus Christ. And so uh, this fullness of time is spoken of when Jesus would come. It, it, it's speaking of what was prophesied in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Uh, it talks about the Messiah being cut off or crucified. And so this announcement was in exact accordance with the prophecy. There was an angelic messenger with a really good name, uh, a special angel. Can you believe that? It's, he's referred to as a special angel, Gabriel. Uh, the name means warrior of God or man of God. 550 years prior to that, guess who appeared to Daniel? Gabriel. He also appeared to Zechariah. He appeared to Zechariah for what purpose? To announce the birth of John the Baptist. And Zechariah did what? He doubted, right? He, he, he didn't have a lot of confidence. Um, Gabriel's mentioned a few times in scriptures and, and usually de- delivering a, a special message of prophet, uh, prophetic importance, and it's all related to the coming of the Messiah. So uh, this special angel shows up to this young lady. Mary was a pure woman. Um, the word virgin is see that this is something else we need to talk about the virgin birth is also attacked heavily attacked if somebody could prove that Mary wasn't a virgin then they can disprove all of Christianity that'd be true right I think we'd all agree with that because if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin then he's not who he said he was the word virgin here uh, in the Greek it means a woman who has never had any type of relations with a man it means a chaste woman um, it can't mean anything but that. It, Proverbs 22, 1, uh, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Mary had a good name. She was favored by God. She wouldn't have been favored by God for this mission had she not been a pure woman. Uh, Matthew 1, 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. 
when as his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Um, if you want to do an interesting study, study Joseph in this deal. Study, you know, he, he um, his faith is profound to stay with, with Mary. Um, you know, it, it could have had, he could have had some serious ramifications from society, you know, and, and he chose to stay. So that, that the whole story behind that, that is, is powerful as well. We may do a study on that at some point, maybe in a Sunday school hour. Um, the birth of God's son required a miracle. He, he couldn't be born through a natural process. Uh, if he was born like us, then, then he would have the same sin nature that we have. He couldn't be born like us. Um, if you notice, espoused to a man, the betrothal period, it begins with a contract of marriage where a couple is legally married within uh, all the laws that, that affect, uh, all the laws are in effect concerning marriage, except for the fact they would be separated up to a year while the husband makes a place for the bride to live. Now, we won't get into this today, but what does Jesus say in John 14? I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is the bridegroom. He's speaking to his bride. He's going to prepare a place for his bride. That's a, another subject for another day, but keep that in mind, that, that this is what the betrothal period was. And so Joseph and Mary were in this stage where, where uh, they haven't known each other physically at this point, but they are, they are a couple. Um, if, if Mary was found to be unfaithful, she could have been killed. She could have been uh, uh, stoned to death Divorced, being disgraced for life, she, she could have been put away privately too, which is what Joseph uh, had thought he may do before he was uh, given a revelation. But Isaiah 7.14 prophesied of all this, uh, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Uh, those who knew the scripture knew that this was going to happen. They knew that a virgin would conceive. Obviously, when, when the revelation was given and Mary and Joseph were told that this is going to happen, uh, they knew the scripture. And they knew, okay, you know, I, I still can't even begin to think what Mary thought. Like, she's going to carry the Messiah. You know, sometimes as a preacher, I'll, I'll be studying the Bible and, and just praying over a passage, and then it, the thought just occurs to me, God... I can't believe you trusted me to stand here and do this. I know who I am, and I know I'm not worthy to stand here. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a what you'd call a qualified preacher. I didn't. I didn't go to a, a big prominent Bible college. I don't have a seminary graduate degree. Um, I don't have any of that. You know, I'm, I'm a truck driver, and and God chose to put me in the ministry. And I think of that sometimes, and I think, man, that's 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 powerful to me. But then I think. What about Mary? <laughs> she, wasn't just, she wasn't just preaching the Word. She carried the Word, right? She gave birth to the Word. And, and what would go through her mind thinking, I know what the Bible says, therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign, behold, a virgin shall conceive, for her to recognize that that prophecy was about her. That I, I, how, how do we wrap our heads around that thought? Obviously, she was a prepared woman. And she was a young lady. I heard one preacher say that he thought she was probably in her 40s or 50s. That's nonsense. He, he, he was, he was, he's twisting a, a 
scripture to fit a narrative that he had, and, and that's dangerous. This is a young lady, and she's prepared in, in, in the sight of God. You know, she was also of the house of David. Look at verse number 27. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And sometimes we glaze over that and we say, Joseph was of the house of David, which is true. But what line of the house of David did Joseph come through? What about Mary? Uh, Joseph was of David's lineage. Mary was too through his son Nathan. Mary was a preferred woman. Now, this gets twisted and, and, and some denominations will take this and they'll elevate Mary to, to a place of, of putting her equal with God. And that's not at all the case. The scriptures never teach that. The scriptures say that she was favored, she was uh, preferred, that God chose her for this specific purpose, but it doesn't elevate her to a place of, of uh, you know, religious worship or anything like that. Mary, trust me, she wouldn't want to be worshipped. Uh, she was highly favored. She was greatly graced. Uh, uh, basically, to be highly favored means to be surrounded with favor, uh, to have honor with blessings. And she was favored because God's grace was upon her. She was favored because the Lord was with her. Uh, she was blessed among women. This is a pretty funny story. I had to put it in here. So I hope you don't mind this. There was a Sunday school teacher, and she had uh, just told her class a Christmas story. And then she asked the class, who was the most important woman in all the Bible? And the teacher was expecting the kids to say Mary. And a little boy raised his hand, and he said Eve. And she said, well, why would Eve be the most important woman in the Bible? He said, well, I don't know. But they named two days of the year after her, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So, uh, but no, really... Mary is the most, I wouldn't say the most important woman in the Bible, but she definitely had a, probably the most important mission of any woman in the Bible. She carried the Savior. She carried the Messiah. She, she obeyed this thing that was going to be hard to obey. It's, you cannot hide a pregnancy, right? I mean, there comes a point where it's, you're just not going to hide it. People are going to know you're pregnant. And if for some reason you could physically hide it while you're pregnant, you're not going to hide it when you have a little baby next to you. It's, it's a very public thing that she was asked to do. And she did it. And Joseph did it. They, they said, okay, we're going to obey God. We see there's a spectacular announcement. There's a coming of a child. There was, uh, it, it had some comfort to it. Fear not. Um, uh, I don't know that I could have obeyed that. You know, don't have any fear. It's going to be okay. I, I would have been terrified. You know, I would have been absolutely horrified to think, you're putting God, like God in human form has to live in my house. I am in so much trouble. You know, how do you get around that? But uh, the angel said, fear not. Fear not. They were were given a tremendous responsibility to to have this baby, to raise this child. You know, um, somebody was talking yesterday. There was a lady that we know from Indiana. She was talking about imagining uh, Jesus as a small child, as a baby. Imagining not so much the baby in the manger, but the baby as Mary is carrying him around. And just treating him like you would any other baby. Feeding him, making sure he's dressed for the day, making sure he's safe. Um, Dawn used to get so frustrated. I, see, I was the youngest kid, so I wasn't around babies too much. And uh, when we had Jordan, I'm the dad that's standing over the crib in the middle of the night. I'm, I don't think she's breathing. 
And so I'd reach in, and I'd shake her, and she'd start crying. Okay, she's breathing. And I'd go back to bed. And then Dawn's like, what did you do? You just woke her up. It took me two hours to put her to sleep. I know, but I didn't think she was breathing. You know, and so an hour later, I'm back over staring at the crib again. I'm like, oh, I don't see her breathing. You know, and I'm thinking, I'm going to wake her up, and Dawn's going to make me sleep outside. But, you know, imagine Jesus as a baby. And, and I can picture Joseph having those fears. you going and checking on him. And I can imagine Mary going and, going and checking on Jesus. And, you know, they know who he is. They, they know who that baby is. And they've been entrusted to raise him and to care for him. And the responsibility that came along with that, but the command was given, fear not. Those two words carry a lot of weight in that situation. But there's comfort in God's word. It was, it was directly spoken to Mary, not to fear Gabriel's appearance. It's a great comfort to know that God is in control. He's provided a plan for men to not have to fear the unknown future. Right? Do we need to, if we're saved, do we need to fear death? I, I just had this conversation a few days ago with a guy. I'm not afraid of being dead. I'm afraid of getting dead. I'm not afraid of being dead. There's a big difference in the two. First John 4, 17 and 18 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We don't have to fear if we're saved. We see in this passage a coronation of a king. The name Jesus, that means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. You know, this time of year, you ask people, what the, what, what's the meaning of Christmas? And you get, very, you get various answers. Some people have no idea. Some people will say it's something, it has something to do with Jesus. Some people think it has to do with Santa Claus. You get all sorts of different answers. And there was a, a, a television reporter in Tokyo... Uh, at Christmas time and asking people, much like people do in America, uh, you know, what does Christmas mean to you? Uh, what is the meaning of Christmas? And the lady laughed and responded, I don't know. Is that the day Jesus died? As she's laughing. Is that the day Jesus died? As she laughed. It's not the day Jesus died. It's, you know, Christmas, we celebrate Christmas, although I believe we celebrate it at the wrong time of year, but we celebrate the birth of our Savior. The birth of our Savior is important. It's not is important, but not as nearly as important as His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Obviously, those other things couldn't have happened without His birth. But but think, she just threw the name out there. Is it the day Jesus died? So she knew that Christmas had something to do with Jesus, but she didn't know what. What does the name Jesus mean to you? What is the name? You know, we we know it means Jehovah is salvation. What does the name Jesus mean to you? Is it an important name? Do you like to say it? Do you like to hear it? Does it bother you when somebody uses that name in vain? I love the name of Jesus. There are over 200 names in the Bible that, that are given to Jesus. Is it 280? 256, 280 names for Jesus? 280 names of Jesus. Uh, uh, here's what Billy Sunday said about it. There are over 200 names given in the Bible for the Lord Jesus Christ, and I suppose this was because he was infinitely beyond all that any one name could express. I would agree with that. 
Something else about Jesus' name, it's an easy name. It's not hard to remember the name Jesus. It's not hard to remember it. Uh, people remember it for the wrong reasons sometimes. People get mad. What flies out of their mouth? Jesus' name flies out of their mouth when they're upset. Or people use it and they try to use his name and, uh, as a joke. You know, they'll, they'll joke, joke around and use, use Christ's name in vain. It's an easy name to remember. Uh, you know, there's a guy in the Bible in 1 Chronicles named Tilgath Pilnazer. I'm glad that that's not our Savior's name. In Isaiah, there's a, na- a man named Meher Shalal Hashbaz. I'm glad that that's not our Savior's name. We get to call on the name of Jesus. Imagine having to call on that name, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. I mean, can you imagine having to call on that name? We get to call on the name of Jesus Christ. Jehovah is salvation. He has an esteemed name because of his work. Philippians 2. Uh, Philippians is a phenomenal book. Uh, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's an esteemed name. It's above every other name. He has an enduring name. Uh, the, the, the thread throughout all of Scripture is Jesus Christ. The revelation about Him is different throughout Scripture, but the, the theme of Scripture is Jesus Christ. John 1.1 tells us who He is. Uh, but if you read the Bible from Genesis 1.1 to Revelation 22.21, you're going to see a constant theme throughout there, and you're going to see a, a Redeemer, you're going to see a Messiah, you're going to see a Savior. All throughout Scripture. He has an eternal name. Uh, think about this, when, when, when history comes to an end, when time comes to a close, when, when the heavens and the earth are destroyed, His name still stands. When everything else is gone, when everything else has fallen, when everything else has been destroyed, His name still stands. It's an eternal name. He has an exclusive name. Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know, there's a group out there that, that calls themselves Christians that claim that Jesus is the way to heaven for Christians, but not for everybody. That's nonsense. That is nonsense. There's one way to heaven, and it's Jesus Christ. And it says right here, there is none other, there's, there's, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is through Jesus Christ that people get saved. It's through His death, burial, resurrection. It's through recognizing our sinful condition and understanding that Jesus Christ is who He said He is, that His death on the cross paid for our sins, that His resurrection from the dead offers us eternal life, and our duty and our responsibility with that knowledge is to believe it and trust it. That's the requirement for salvation. And that's true for all men. And if somebody doesn't believe that, and they don't trust that, then they don't have a way to heaven, according to the Scriptures. So it's not that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven for Christians. It's that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, period. Church membership doesn't get you to heaven. Baptism doesn't get you to heaven. None of these things get you to heaven. Good works don't get you to heaven. It's, It's having faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ that gets us to heaven. It's putting our belief in that, our faith in that. John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, 
The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I, that's a beautiful verse to me. This is John saying, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. We saw Him. Could you imagine that? Imagine walking with Jesus, full of grace and truth. Think of His position. Uh, uh, shall be great, it says in 32, verse 32 of our text. The word great... Uh, Translated from Greek, megas, meaning uh, predicated of rank as belonging to a person, eminent for ability, virtue, authority, power. He's above all things. There's nothing. He, Mary's being told, hey, this baby that you're going to carry in your womb is above all things. That means this baby you carry is above you, Mary. He's going to be greater than you. He's going to be your salvation. Colossians 1, 17 and 18, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. We talked about preeminence a little bit in Sunday school today, about Jesus Christ having preeminence in our life and not just being a, a small sliver of what we do or a small part of our schedule, but actually being, being our life. That our, our cause for living is, to, is, is the cause of Christ. He'll be called the Son of the Highest. Uh, Hebrews 1, 4 through 9 says, Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth, uh, bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son uh, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Uh, therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Um, he's the Son of the Highest. Now, uh, again, take yourself back to Mary and, and hearing these things. This, this, this young girl that's, you know, being given this tremendous announcement that you're, you're the one, and these, this uh, about being the one, you're going to carry this baby conceived by the Holy Spirit, and these are his attributes. And I, I mean, to me, I can just imagine her going, No way. <laughs> no way. This is incredible. Think of his rule. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, speaking of the coming kingdom, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. He's going to rule for eternity. There will never be an end to his kingdom. As one from the line of David, Jesus will fulfill the promises that are made to David. Second uh, Samuel seven twelve through thirteen, and when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. There will never be an end of his kingdom. Revelation eleven fifteen, 15. Uh, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. You know, we've talked about this a little bit, where uh, there's, there's coming a day that all the kingdoms of the, of the earth are going to, Submit to, to Jesus. He's going he's gonna to rule this earth. There's a difference in what's going to happen in heaven and what's going to happen on earth. 
This is speaking of an earthly kingdom, and, and Christ is going to reign. There will be no end of that kingdom. We know it's a supernatural act. It's a supernatural conception that, that Mary's being told about. Uh, then said Mary unto the angel, in verse 34, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Uh, her question probably was not of doubt. I know that we could, we could see it that way. But, but she's probably asking, you know, how is this going to happen? I'm not doubting it, but how? <laughs> because I, I've never known a man. Uh, and, and Gabriel describes it. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Uh, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Not after the manner of men, God's Spirit activates and creates by the Word of God. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Matthew 1, 20-21 But while he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Only as the Holy Spirit takes the place of the human father in Jesus' conception can it be true that, that, one is conceived, that the one that is conceived is, is fully God and fully man. Christ had to be fully God and fully man to atone for sin. Uh, but for this to occur, He had to be, con- be conceived by the Holy Spirit. He had to be born of a human virgin. No one else in the history of the world is conceived by the Spirit and born of a virgin mother. He's the only one ever. That's, he's the only one that's ever, it's ever happened to you know, beforehand and after. Nobody, it'll never happen again. He alone qualifies to be our Savior. God himself superintended the process. God stepped in. He said, this is, this is the avenue we're going to take. Mary's going to be the one that we're going to uh, use to fulfill this purpose. The miracle was determined in verse 36 and 37. It was determ- determined by the omnipotent power of God. Matthew nineteen twenty six says, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men, uh, this is impossible, but with God all things are impossible. Nothing is impossible when God's power is exerted. Would you agree with that? When God says this is going to be done, guess what? It's going to be done. But in order for it to be done, what did he need? He needed a surrendered servant. And Mary was a surrendered servant. Now let's look back at our text at verse number 38. So there, she had some questions. You know, the, the, the angel makes the announcement. She's a little bit troubled at what the announcement is. She has some questions. The angel answers the questions. And Mary says in verse number 38, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She surrendered. She said, okay. If that's what God wants to happen, let it be. I'm I'm willing. She accepted her position. She consented to his will. That being said, let me ask, have you surrendered and submitted to God's will for your life? You know, God hasn't asked us to carry the Messiah into the world as as an infant. But he's asked us to take the Savior into the world, right? He's asked us to go and tell people about Jesus Christ and about the salvation that he offers. We, we, weren't, we weren't handed an infant that's, gonna, that's promised as a, as a coming king in a, in a kingdom on this earth. But we were offered a Savior who gives us a home in heaven according to his finished work on the cross. Are we saying to the Lord, 
are we saying, uh, uh, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, or, or behold this servant of the Lord? Be it unto me, according to your word. You want me to go? I'm going to go. You, Mary's saying, you want me to carry the, the, the Lord Jesus in my belly? You want me to carry the Messiah in my belly? You want me to bring him into this earth? I'm going to do it. He's saying to us, I want you to take Jesus to a lost and dying world. Are we saying, okay, I'm going to do it? Or are we saying, you know what? I'm just a little bit too busy right now. Somebody else will tell them. There are so many churches in our town. I'm sure one of them has the truth. I'm sure one of them is sharing the gospel. I'm just, I'm just too busy. I can't do it right now. It's uncomfortable. It's socially awkward to share the gospel. You know, I don't want to offend people. I don't want my cousin to get mad at me. I don't want to talk to him about Jesus. I'm more worried about my comfort than I am about somebody's eternal soul. Notice that Jesus was, was, where was Mary when this took place? It said that, that she was in Nazareth. So God started the whole adventure of Christianity in Nazareth. You know, Nazareth wasn't a booming metropolis. <laughs> Nazareth, why Nazareth? Why, why Nazareth? Because in Nazareth, there was a woman who was completely yielded to his purpose for her life. And God took this woman in this little podunk town who would be completely yielded for his purpose and God used her to turn the world upside down. Well, I mean this in the nicest way possible, but we live in a little podunk town. Right? Marlette's not a sprawling metropolis. And it, it, you can drive for quite a, while, a ways before you get to a sprawling metropolis. I, I work in Carroll. Carroll's not a sprawling metropolis. Sandusky's not. Emway City's not. Right? It's all these little podunk towns around here. Do we believe that this same God can use us to turn the world upside down? I would like to say that we do believe that, but my fear is that we don't even believe He can use us to turn our community upside down that we don't believe he can use us to turn our families upside down. This Christmas season, we rejoice about the birth of our Savior. This Christmas season, people are dying and going to hell. We're rejoicing, they're suffering. Can we truly rejoice? Can we truly celebrate this Savior, this gift that we've been given, if we're not willing to share that gift with other people. I don't think we can. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the example of Mary, a, a willing servant. And though she, she was scared at first, and though she had questions, once she understood your purpose and your plan, she submitted and said yes. She wanted to serve you. Lord, that's a challenge to me. There have been so many times that you've shown me things in my life that you wanted from me, and I, I said no. And uh, I think the folks in this room would agree there have been times in their life that they've done the same thing. So I pray, Lord, that today would be a day that we would decide in this early on in the Christmas season of 2018 that whatever it is you ask of us, we're going to do it, first of all. But we'd also determine that 
in this season of giving, in this season of gifts, that we would determine to share Jesus Christ with those around us. Whether that be by a gospel track or sitting down over a cup of coffee and having a conversation. Maybe it means uh, taking a day to just uh, diligently pray for our community, pray for our families. Lord, whatever it means, whatever you'd have us to do, I pray that you would show us. I pray that we'd be willing to do it. Lord, be with us now as we just ponder these things and uh, help us to leave here as better Christians than when we came. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please stand to your feet. We're going to sing a song. If the Lord has spoken to your heart and you feel like you want to do business with Him, I pray that you would, uh, you would do that. But we're going to sing a Christmas song for an invitation. I know that's not generally what we would do.